Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are at week five of our sermon series called Living Sacrifice. And what we're doing in this series as we make our way through the dark season of Lent towards the light of Resurrection Sunday, which if you can believe is only two weeks away, is we're exploring what it really looks like to live Christian. Or as Paul explains it, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. And so far, what we've learned on our journey into this teaching is, first of all, we are being called to be a part of the body of Christ. We're being called to be devoted members of a particular church in a particular time and place because there is no such thing as doing Christianity by yourself. It means that you're in community. Secondly, we learned about being a people of love or a people devoted to the physical, mental, and spiritual well-being of others. And then last week, we wrestled with this idea that when it comes to our relationship to the government, our devotion first and foremost belongs to King Jesus and his ways, while at the same time submitting ourselves to the authorities because it's also true that God uses the government to help all of us to thrive, to organize us in ways that we couldn't do ourselves. And so today, as we continue this journey, we're going to be getting into how the life of faith is a process and what that has to teach us about living Christian together. So Paul begins in Romans 4.1 saying this, Welcome those who are weak in the faith. Welcome those who are weak in the faith. Now, the assumption that lies behind the statement to welcome those who are weak in the faith is that there's also some who are strong in the faith. And what that puts into perspective is that living Christian is a process. It's something that develops over time. Or like as human beings, we are not born as fully formed adults ready to take on the world. As Christians, when we're born again, we don't just automatically have everything all figured out. No, the way faith works is it develops over time. But the goal being that as we continue to devote our lives to serving Christ, that like immature babies grow up to be mature adults, we who are weak in the faith will grow immature until we're strong in the faith. Or think back through your own spiritual development. How many of you are different than when you first became a Christian? How much growth and development has taken place from the time you first gave your life to Christ until now. Well, if you're anything like me, there's no doubt you've come a long way and made a whole lot of progress. To a certain extent, you're not even the same person in every area of your faith. And not only your faith, but your life in general. You have grown and matured. That's what it looks like to live a life of faith. It's a process. It takes time. Then I want you to notice that built into the very nature of faith is a process is the fact that at any given time and in any given church, you will discover people at different levels of spiritual maturity. Or you're going to find that not everyone is at the same place when it comes to their faith development. For example, in this church, at this very moment, you're going to find some people who have been a part of the faith since the moment they were born. In fact, they can't remember a time when they weren't a Christian. They weren't following Christ in some way or another. Well, you have that on one end, 
But at the same time, you're also going to find people who didn't grow up in the faith and in fact, maybe have just given their life to Christ in the last couple of years or have come back to Christ in the last couple of years. And you have both of those spectrum in the same church. Which means, within this church, you have someone who just became a Christian and in this church, you have someone who's been doing it for 90 plus years and everything else in between. And what that brings to light, which is what I really want you to see, which is what Paul is getting at, is because they are people at different places in their faith development, naturally, people are going to see and make, faith, make sense of their faith and everything else differently. Which, by the way, is not a bad thing. It's just the way it works. Or, how many of you guys know Lane Moore? Anybody? Okay, so if you don't know Lane, I want you to think of the oldest man you can think of. <laughs> So it's all right. Lane's not here today. He's not here today. So I called Lane and told him I was going to do that just so you don't call him and tell him on that deal. So imagine the oldest person you can think of, right? He's really not that old. Now, what you need to know about Lane Moore is Lane Moore was born in this church. Since the moment he was born, he has been a part of this church and he has been a part of this tradition. He's gone through Sunday school and VBS and youth group and all that stuff. He's been there, done that. In fact, the only time I don't think he was a part of this church is when he went off to K-State to do college. Then he came back and did it again. In his later years in life, what he's been doing is he's been a Sunday school teacher for I don't know how long. So that means he spends five hours a week studying scripture, doing everything he needs to do to prepare a lesson so that he can teach on Sunday morning, which means he's got a pretty good spiritual maturity level. Now, imagine someone like Lane, who's been doing it for all these years, sitting down at the table with someone who has just given their life to Christ, with someone who's just walked in the door. How much different are those two people in the way they think and make sense of almost everything? Right? That's the way the church works. That's what's going on right here and right now. That's the kind of spiritual diversity that we're talking about here in this place. Have you ever thought about it in that way? Oftentimes, when we think about what it means to be Christians, we think we're all on the same page and we got everything figured out. That's not the way it works. It's never worked that way, which is exactly what Paul's going to get into. So Paul goes on and he says this, 14, 1 through 3. Welcome those who are weak in the faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything while the weak only eat vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Now, what Paul is talking about here is not whether to be a vegetarian or not. He's talking about a huge issue going on in the Roman church at this time, in that, is it right to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols? Now, what you need to know about what's going on in Rome at this point, and remember, that's who Paul's writing to is that the meat that you buy in the marketplace in Rome was not just an animal that was killed and then processed in some packing plant and sold, which is the way we think of meat processing today. And almost every piece of meat that you bought in Rome at that time was first used in a sacrifice to one of the many Roman gods. So what that puts into perspective is there's a huge disagreement going on in the Roman church where on one side you have faithful, devoted followers of Christ who do not think it's right to eat anything that has to do with the worship of another God. So they just eat vegetables, right? And there's something right about that logic, right? We don't want anything to do with other gods, so that's not a completely crazy notion. 
But at the same time, you have another group of faithful, committed Christians, including Paul himself, who, because they don't actually believe in the Roman gods, didn't see anything wrong with eating the meat that was put in front of them. So they just ate the meat. So one side, again, you have a group convinced that it's not right to eat this meat. On the other side, that's eh, not that big a deal. Go ahead and eat it. And so they did. And that's what's driving a wedge in this church. Now, at this point, you might think that Paul's job as a leader sent by God would be to come into the Roman church as the authority figure and just set the record straight. By teaching all of those who are weak in the faith, hey, you're wrong, you need to get on board, this is how it really is. But that's not what Paul does. That's not what Paul does. No, instead, into this place of disagreement, Paul goes on to explain that when it comes to how you treat your brothers and sisters whom you disagree with, or who are even getting it wrong, is that being right in a whole lot of cases is not what's most important. Did you hear that? <laughs> Being right in a whole lot of cases is not what's most important. And we don't think that way. In our society today, being right is, is what is most important. Or think about it in this way. In the same way when you're raising your children, you don't just rush in every time they make a mistake and tell them that what they're doing is wrong, but give them room to figure things out and to grow on their own. I think that's what Paul's getting at here. As he's teaching us how to deal with those brothers and sisters of ours who are at different places in their faith development. Paul even goes on to say this. 14, 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. And, and clearly what Paul is getting at here is if you want the truth, when it comes to whether or not it's okay to eat the meat sacrificed to idols, the truth is there's nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But even after saying that, or even after telling everyone what the truth is, he then says this. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. Or it is wrong for anyone who thinks it is wrong. Or if you feel it in your heart that something is wrong, then don't do it. Because even though it's not actually wrong, it's wrong for you. And all because for Paul, what's most important when it comes to living out our faith is not that we always get it right. That's an impossibility, by the way. But that we do the best we can with what we have to follow and serve Jesus with everything that we are. Which is exactly what Paul says in 14, 7 through 8. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Meaning that no matter where we happen to be in our faith development or how much that we have figured out, what's most important is not having it all figured out, but instead living and dying to the Lord. Or devoting the entirety of our lives to following Jesus, doing the best we can with what we have. What do you guys think? To give you the, how significant this is, just take a moment. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys have ever been a part of a church fight before? Anybody? Church fight? Church fight, church schism, church break, church problems. Anybody? Anybody? So 
Just imagine into those places where those things happen if people took what Paul said here seriously. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And then you can even take it to the place of war and all the stuff that has happened there. Imagine if we allowed people some room to grow and develop and mature. Or maybe to give you a bit more modern way to think about this, I offer you one of the tenets or the foundational beliefs of our church, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, which is our denomination, what we're a part of. Because for me, this is one of the best ways to make sense of this. So it says this, Disciples are called together around one essential of faith, belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And what that means for us is that when it comes to living Christian, the non-negotiable where there is no wiggle room is our belief or our faith. And Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the Lord and Savior of the world. That's our foundation. That's what it takes to be a part of this thing. But with that being our foundation, we also believe that because of the way faith development works and given the fact that people aren't created all to be the same, God didn't create us all to be the same and think the same, we also believe that people are free to follow their consciences, guided by the Bible, the Holy Spirit, study and prayer, and are expected to extend that freedom to others. And what that means is instead of expecting everyone to always be on the same page when it comes to faith, that individuals are allowed in their own time and their own way to grow and mature into the people that God has created them to be, not who we think they should be. Right? We have to be careful with that. We have an idea, this is who we're supposed to be, and we like to think that we've got it all figured out, so everybody's got to fit into our pattern. That's not how God works. Which then is a freedom that that we love when someone gives us that freedom we love because we want to be able to make our own decisions and to wrestle with this stuff. But it's also a freedom we're expected to extend to others, which is a little harder. And what that looks like lived out in the day-to-day bump and grind of everyday church life is not a whole bunch of people who think, act, and talk the same, but instead a whole bunch of people doing the best they can with what they've got to follow Jesus who are not in the same place spiritually, who do not see and make sense of the world in the same ways, but in spite of our differences, choose to love and grow with one another as we all go about trying to figure out what it looks like for us to follow and serve Christ to the best of our abilities. Isn't that beautiful? And I would say not only does this work in faith life, This works in every area of our life. And this is a bigger principle here. Or to really kind of help you get your brain around the beauty of this and how it works. How many of you guys love it when the bells play? Isn't that one of the most amazing things ever? So let's just think about this. So what are these called? These aren't actual bells. What's this called? Chime. So you've got a chime here, right? It's in one place. And then you come over here, and you guys are going to have to figure this out after I'm done, right? Then you come over here, and you've got another bell that's different. It sees the world in a different way. It makes a different noise. So together, eh. But but when you put God into the mix, and God is the one who is able to use us as we are where we are, what it does is it creates beautiful music. Music that that stirs your soul and can even change you. That's how the church works. Somehow, and I don't get it. I wish it were all black and white. 
Somehow God takes all of that, takes all of us where we are, whether we've been in this thing for 90 years or have just become a Christian. God uses all of us and puts us all together to go out and bring heaven to earth, to inspire ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. That's what this is all about. So what that means for truly living your life as a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, that means you have to devote yourself, who you are, everything you are, to growing in your faith. Doing the best you can with what you got in the moment, knowing you don't have it all figured out, but you're on the way, and you devote yourself to that. But at the same time, not only helping, but also allowing others to figure it out as well. Think about the church if we live this. And then also, think about your life if you live this. Think about our world if we live this. This is some life-changing stuff here. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and this is not one of those flashy sermons. This is not one of those that makes us jump up and down and get really excited. But the truth is, this is a foundational piece to what it means to live Christian day in and day out. These are foundational things that we need to understand not only about ourselves, but how to treat others. And that you don't expect us to have it all figured out. You know this is a faith process. and In fact, that's the way you created it to be. So we need to embrace that. Instead of fighting against it, instead of trying to think that we're supposed to have it all figured out, we need to embrace that and live it, devoting our lives to you. But at the same time, allowing others to do the same, even helping them in their faith journey. Because ultimately we trust that, that like bells make beautiful music, you're going to bring all of that together in, in your infinite and magnificent ways that only you can do. And you're going to make great music. You're going to use us to go out in our own ways, in our own places, and transform people's lives, transform the world to bring heaven to earth in all we do. So Lord, help us to live this every single day so that we can continue to become the people and the church that you've created us to be. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.